Hi, I'm Marcy Hamilton. I'm uh, the CEO and founder of Child USA, a think tank to end child abuse and neglect. And I'm delighted to announce the launch of our Child USA podcast, which is called A Voice for the Kids. They need a voice, and we're going to be exploring the hard questions about how to make children safer. Um, this is our uh, inaugural show in which we are thrilled to have journalist and director and producer Layla Wills with us talking about sex abuse in the hip hop community. I hope you'll join us. We are thrilled to have uh, Layla Wills with us today. She is a journalist and a producer based in Chicago. She's very active on a variety of social issues and is currently producing a film about child sex abuse in the hip hop community called Trapped in a Culture. I'm so thrilled to have you today, Layla. And, you know, when did we first meet? Two, three years ago when you started your um, documentary? We met, yes, three years ago in 2017. You were one of the first people to say yes. <laughs> and I was just so happy because I did my research and because I didn't know anything on this topic whatsoever. So <laughs> I had to seek a professional and I hunted you down and you totally said yes. Yeah, but we met Absolutely. in 2017. Well, that's so funny. 2017 is when Child USA was still in a windowless single room. So you were with us right at the beginning. That's fantastic. Uh, so tell me, uh, tell our listeners, why did you get involved? First, describe the project a little bit and then and explain why you thought it was so important to get involved. So the project, well, let's, I can take you through how I became yeah. aware of this whole thing. So in 2016, 2016, um, from what I understand is one year before the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement had not taken off. There was no discussion about any of these kinds of topics in the mainstream whatsoever. I mean, the, the Catholic church would come up, of yeah. course, um, but as far as Hollywood music, um, it had not uh, crossed over in, into that. And so in 2016, I was listening to a New York radio broadcast where these guys were on there making allegations that they had been sexually abused when they were children against, uh, excuse me, by one of the founding fathers of hip hop, Africa Bambata. There's three, you know, the, the urban legend goes, there are many people involved in the beginning, but they get accolades. There's three founding fathers, Grandmaster Flash, Africa Bambata, and Cool Herc. So these guys saying this about Africa Bambata was one thing, but me in my life, I had never, ever heard black men discuss or even say something like that happened to them and, and by it being male on male abuse. I had never heard it ever in my life. And I was just like stuck to the... Um, my computer, I was listening to it online and I, I just could not believe my ears, it, but it was huge. And the fallout was huge. And it was about Africa Bambata at the same time. <laughs> and so I called a couple of my friends. I'm just not, you know, I had a publication in Chicago and I was going to ch change it over to do video news and that kind of thing. But I was in no position to take on a project of a <laughs> documentary. So I called a couple of my friends who worked at a couple of networks and they ran it by their producers and all that. Nobody wanted to touch this with a 10 foot pole. 
until eventually our good friend now, Michael O'Keefe, who mm -hmm. worked at the Daily News, um, outside a star who broke the story, Michael picked it up and they ran it in the New York Daily News. And that started my entire education on this issue. I just knew it was huge and something unprecedented in the Black community. Well, you know, it's so interesting, and this is really why I wanted you to be our inaugural interview, because when we were working on the Catholic cases, you know, there was a window in California in 2003, and it was the first window for child sex abuse victims. And I kept wondering, there had to be more people of color in this whole universe who had been victims. It, it couldn't have just been the people who were parading before the cameras about the, um, about the priests abusing them, because we knew that there was a large Latinx community. We knew that there were plenty of uh, black kids that were going to parochial schools. But honestly, I hadn't heard that either. So, uh, and I'd been listening on this side of the universe about child sex abuse since you know, at least 2000, if not earlier. And so when you came to me and said that it was someone who was a, a leader in the hip hop movement, my first question to myself was, well, is anybody coming forward? And so you did an amazing thing to build relationships with these men. Um, and if you could talk about what it took to get some of the men to be able to be interviewed. I'm sure there were some who just in the end refused. So if you could just give us a, an insight into the, the journey for you of trying to put this whole documentary together. So the first thing that I did was um, got in touch with Star. He and I, I knew Star, but he and I weren't friends or anything like that. And I reached out to him. He was very receptive and, and we got on the phone and talked. And through him, I was able to be introduced to um, two of them, Ron Savage and um, Hassan Campbell. Now at that point, um, because they had already spoke out about it mm -hmm. and then they spoke with Michael, uh, and then by the time I, it was different because I was a woman, I maybe, I don't know, but mm -hmm. they knew that I cared. So, and they, and they talked to me and I went, um, to meet them and a lot of other people who didn't want to be on camera. And, um, you know, it's a mix between this dual nation, which was Africa Bambada's group that he started. Um, that wasn't the a rap group. It was his own, uh, it was a hip hop awareness group that eventually turned into like this religious cult. And in the center of this cult uh, was child sexual abuse. And so it was rampant inside of this organization. That, would, that was actually just as much of the culture as um, hip hop was. So with that comes a certain degree of danger and people were afraid to talk about it too. So a lot of them weren't, are not on camera They've served as uh, consultants and, you know, leading me down different paths. So it was not an easy project. And it was, I mean, some people came to be interviewed with a bulletproof vest on. Um, another one had a gun next to him while I'm interviewing him. And then he started getting all upset, moving around. I'm like, hey, 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 dude, dude, <laughs> you know, you know, so it, it was not easy. Now I didn't, I did it all myself. 
And so the, the flaws that are in the film, because I couldn't get anybody to back me at that time. I, when people say, well, you need to do this, you need to do, I was like, listen, I will, I will not be embarrassed by any flaw in that film because I had to do what I had to do and it was not easy. And, uh, but, but they did open up and it was not easy and it's a very um, disturbing story and it's actually taken us through the birth of hip hop all the way to today, this was going on. So, so it's so interesting. I think the, the public really had no idea that there was this cult that was being developed around African Bombata that was, of course, engaging in child sex abuse and, and controlling behaviors. How did you find out about it? Who, who told you? What was it? Did Michael O'Keefe, the reporter from the New York Daily News, first learn about that? Or did you learn about it from uh, Ron Savage? How, how did you get the insights about that? Because it's extraordinary. I put that together. So um, the primary stories um, were, were about the abuse. But then as you keep, as you keep talking to them, um, you know, I have a, a background in, I was in a black organization that eventually became a cult too. So I'm super like uh, wary, <laughs> you know, I know what I'm listening to after a minute. And so then I started digging on that side. And not only was it a cult, they, they Africa Bambata fashioned himself. I know you heard of this guy, I'm gonna tell you right now, fashioned himself after Malachi York, who had a huge uh, cult in New York and was ended up being, um, Con convicted for he's serving like a hundred and thirty five year sentence for child trafficking and other mm -hmm. charges and that he had a huge influence on rappers and hip hop artists at that time so you you'll see as as my project went on there he, Bambada wasn't even the only one like all these little I can't say child sexual abuse happened in all these groups though but there were different enclaves sprouting up with all these teachings that could be traced right back to Malachi York. It, it's, it's beyond belief if I didn't know it was true. Wow. Now, was, was Bambata living with, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just watched the Waco documentary about David Koresh, right? It, it just, just amazing. And, and, uh, and by the way, I recommend it to understand over-policing. Uh, but, uh, but the reason I raise it is because the way that David Koresh got control of his group was he brought them into one building um, and they were pretty isolated. What was um, Bombada's MO? How was he getting people so that he could take advantage of them? So his, his home base was in Bronx River housing projects. So housing projects uh, in New York and, and other cities are even one housing project has several buildings in this, in this complex. Uh, Bambada had a street organization, like the Zulu Nation were quote unquote ex-gang members, but he surrounded himself with hardened criminals, with people who carry guns. They pretty much... Uh, had that whole housing project on lockdown, like under control. So you have a culture, okay, so remember we're talking about hip hop. So downstairs at the, in the center of the, these buildings of the housing project, it would be block parties. Bambada would be spinning records. It'd be kids break dancing. And it's just, 
they're having a wonderful time. This is a part of a city that is isolated from the rest of the, the majority society. So they're just on their own, very, very poor, very poor. And here's this fund that just sprouted up out of nowhere. And it, it started to become a regular thing. Other, other guys wanted to be a DJ just like him. And so it was a mentoring thing. And then he had everything in his apartment, all the music, equipment, a weight room and everything. So that became like his lair. And mm -hmm. that, and so they'll be downstairs at the party and then he, something will happen and then he'll go upstairs with one or more of, of them. Oh, wow. Wow. And, and was he also providing food and drink? Um, were, were the kids being offered liquor? Was it, was it a, a party? So um, most of the, most of the, I have only one um, victim who says that Bambada supplied him with drugs. Um, the rest of them don't say that, but they, but he did give them money. Mm -hmm. um, he would take them everywhere, even to other hip hop shows, like real hip hop show, like a concert someplace. He would take wow. them to amusement parks. He would give their parents groceries. He wow. would um, take care of them. He would let them stay with him. His house was the hangout house. Wow. Wow. And, and, and anybody who thought they were going to say something against him would not because even in the minds of a 12 year old, um, one, of, one of the guys, if I say anything, he'll kill my whole family. I mean, they live in the next building. Right. And, you know. Wow. That, that is just chilling. I, you know, I mean, that is the way in which so many of the child perpetrators operate and the, these children have no defenses. And so, um, and they do believe that either they or family will be killed and, or go to hell or, I mean, all these um, uh, aspects. But when did he start, um, you know, with the religious background? When did he start preaching in, in a sense that was giving him more and more status with these boys? I would say, let's see. So the, he started getting himself more into this whole knowledge aspect to try to add that into this whole hip hop culture. But once, so it was, it started to be, it started to lean in that direction in the nineties, from what I understand, not, not before that he was still getting his own knowledge in kind of the eighties and they were still kind of running as a gang almost um, with music, but I, I'll have to double check the exact time okay. period. But what I do want to say is by the early two thousands, um, according to people that I interviewed, is when they finally did switch all the way over into a religion. And even his name is trademarked. You can look up the trademark of his name of Africa Bambata, and it says religious services on it. And then the guys who were like leaders. So at this point, now remember, we're talking about as this Zulu nation is growing, so is hip hop. Hip hop is becoming a global phenomenon. It's around the world. All races are involved with it. So the Zulu nation, as the hip hop grew, started having chapters across the globe. And so they have chapter leaders. So, so if you had a chapter in let's say Jersey or Philly or wherever, uh, the chapter leaders said that they got in the mail, just like out of the blue, a new ID card. And the ID cards called them minister. <laughs> so that's wow. like the early 2000s. I mean, 
my, my cynical self uh, says, yeah, I mean, that gets you tax exempt status. That's a great way to make money and not pay taxes, I suppose. Um, but, uh, but it's also a way to get control uh, over other people. And, and so if they received a card and all of a sudden they were a minister, were they, were they like, okay, great, you know, now I'm a minister or did they just, or did they ignore it? No, they said, whoa, what is this? So they would have regular meetings um, in person in Harlem and they would have uh, conference calls. And so, yeah, they did question, um, what is this worldwide minister? And they, and they were saying, I've, it's a, the guys who, who, who I interviewed said, they were like, oh, well, we need to change the direction. We need to get more spiritual, um, that kind of thing. I actually asked you during our interview about, I was asking you about this whole freedom of religion, First Amendment. I'm like, what are they doing with this? And what you said um, may really be the real reason besides the whole tax thing, because I think that's when the Catholic Church situation was coming really hard. And you said that these organizations think they can use that as a protection against the law. Like you can't, you Absolutely. can't get us because we're religious. Right, right. And, and, and honestly, that's what you see now. I mean, we, we now have a culture in which religious groups assume everybody else may have to follow the law. I mean, let's think about it in terms of COVID-19 distancing and not having uh, large congregation meetings. Um, but the religious groups respond by saying, oh, but we're different. We're special. Uh, and that did create a license for behavior that um, ended up being dangerous to too many people. Um, so that's, that's funny. I mean, that's uh, three years ago. Um, and it's still, it's worse now. Uh, that religious side of it, it, it sadly is worse. The, the argument against good behavior uh, uh, and placing laws on religious groups has gotten harder and harder. Uh, but I, I think we're at the top of the pendulum swing. That's my optimistic perspective. Child USA's membership portal is for child sex abuse victims and those who work with them. It's a safe place and it's a curated library for you to find out information, check it out. So, so you, create this documentary, um, you have uh, really struggled to find support for it. And it's about one of the biggest names in hip hop. And so where are the people who should be, uh, I mean, I would have thought some of the, the top entertainers in the country would, would support it, but I guess, I guess that was naive of me. So what are the barriers that you, fa you face trying to get this to market? One thing that has fascinated me, which has been a huge barrier, was, is the more, the, the, I, this is going to be straight sarcasm, the, the more you do for the community, the bigger your name, the more we like your music or whatever it is we like about you, you can abuse as many children as you want. We'll be your defense. These people just want money. Um, who are these people? Why didn't they say something sooner? There's no evidence. I mean, I have not been able to believe it. Now, I will say that the film um, and, and Child USA hosted a screening 
for, for the film that a feedback screening where I got great feedback. So because I have been working like all alone, I, I can't say that it's been like shopped all over and turned down all over, but right. it could have used a lot more ground support, gr grassroots support. And um, some people did support it very strongly, um, but um, overall, um, I think it's a celebrity thing uh, or automatic suspicion that somebody wants money. And remember, we're talking about before the Me Too. So nobody was even primed for this kind of a conversation. It was just like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> what is this? Right. I, I mean, it is, um, I mean, I am finding too that in the context, especially now of the Black Lives Matter movement, how do we talk about the reality of uh, the, the kids of color who are harmed? And, it, you know, we know that 30% of kids are harmed in their own family. And so, you know, we have very distinguished um, academics who are saying we must get rid of Child Protective Services because it's racist. We must uh, roll back all of these programs because they're racist. And I understand where they're coming from. On the other hand, from the perspective of children, I am concerned about how can we have this conversation? So, so I give you, you're just way ahead of the curve here. That's really what's going on. And all the responses that you've heard, those were all the early responses to the Catholic Church. And then those were exactly the responses to the Orthodox Jews and the Jehovah's Witnesses and Penn State and every boarding school. You know, if, if people are invested in an institution, well, they're just not going to believe that their favorite guy, whoever it was, actually did this to children. But you, you've got these men on tape and it is so powerful. Uh, and it's something we all need to learn and learn about soon. But, but let's, let's expand the lens a little bit. It's not just Africa Bombada and it, it's certainly not any particular race. There is a real problem in the music industry with, with, I guess, groupies, right? With um, young people attaching themselves to stars or rising stars. What are your thoughts on that now that we, you see what happened in, in the scenario you've looked into so deeply? What do we do about that? So the music industry, so, so I had a conversation with a, a therapist a, um, uh, who's in the film also, because I said, okay, let's say, you know, because I had somebody tell me, well, you know, they knew what they were doing, you know, that kind of thing too, even though they're like uh, 12, 13 or 14. And so, you know, I argue with the people, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, here's this professional. Let me just ask him. If you are in um, Brazil or somewhere where uh, sex trafficking or uh, sexual tourism is really big, and this is me asking a therapist, and if you're, if you're a grown person, a man, and here comes this 12-year-old or 13-year-old sex worker who's like, you know, at that, I mean, why is that still not pedophilia, even if right. they quote unquote, know what they're doing. Like they're yeah. doing that out of some, you know, so. No. So the same for me, 
will apply in the music industry. Now, the music industry has, is going to have a day of reckoning, I think, also, because just because I think all teenagers have idols. I mean, you can look at movies from back in the day, and if it's in a teen's room, they have a big poster of, of Bruce Springsteen or, or whoever it is. But it doesn't, so even if they go Google, like, oh my God, that's such a, such a, that doesn't give you a license to abuse that child. Like they have a harm, to me, that is a, totally harmless. And if they're a little girl, a, a teenage girl, and think you're cute or whatever, it still does not give you license to do that. I asked somebody in hip hop the other day, do you think after all of this, that's going to change in the industry? And um, he said, no. He does not think so. And he thinks that there'll still be those artists um, putting themselves in those uh, kind of situations just because they can. And, and I guess it's partly because the, the, the police are slow to arrest against prominent um, public figures. But also, I guess it's because it's not being reported from inside the music community. I mean, where are the adults that are around the musician and that are seeing the 14-year-old girl being used and um, sexually abused, what are the adults doing? Good question. Instead of, you know, these people uh, could be surrounding themselves with yes men. I mean, once you become like, I used to work at several labels and as soon as somebody got a record deal, they turn into the biggest diva ever <laughs> in life. So it's like their hair person. I need this in my waiting room and make sure there's Skittles, but they only can be yellow Skittles, <laughs> no other color. So if you have people, you know, who are not being responsible, I, I was going to ask you, what do you think? Because for people, let's say, let's take a road manager, that person or any manager, they're in charge of all kinds of contracts with these artists. They're in charge of their hotel bookings financial transaction, why can't they be a mandatory reporter or something? for, for oh, they, the they, they should definitely be mandated reporters. And, and Hollywood and the music industry needs to get with the program that we all have to protect children. And there isn't some exception if you are a celebrity for uh, violating a child. And by the way, all children are defined as under 18. So, you know, don't tell me the 16-year-old understood it because the sciences, they don't understand it. They don't process it. They are so, uh, there's such a power deficit with respect to that celebrity. I, I mean, the horrors that are out there of, of the celebrities now that are being named, it's slow, it's very slow. Hollywood has not been very helpful, but they've named their perpetrators and then they're attacked online because Hollywood has the capacity to own the airwaves, whether it's Twitter or it's the media, and they get their story out there, they attack their own victims, and the victims are destroyed. So, you know, I think, one, we need more mandated reporters. We need every adult that's with a child in this universe should be responsible, and they should be suable, frankly. You should be able to, if your child was abused by a celebrity, you should be able to sue the record company. You should be able to sue the, the person who actually did it, uh, the celebrity. You should be able to sue all those helping adults around them uh, in the same way that a victim of sex abuse in the Catholic church sues the church 
and they may sue the perpetrator, the, the priest himself, but they, they sue the church because that whole institution did this. This is the whole institution. And I've been pretty disappointed with uh, SAG, with uh, all of the most powerful forces in Hollywood. And they watch as these amazing celebrities being accused of sex abuse fight their own victims and you don't hear a peep. It's, tr it's tragic. I, I really do think Hollywood is going to be one of the hardest to, to make real justice, but there is a three-year window open right now in um, Hollywood, uh, and it just opened in January 2020. So there is a moment when, if victims come forward, they can actually sue the people who destroyed their lives. And I, I hope we see that because that's the only way we'll ever learn more about this. There, there's just, I view your documentary as the leading edge. It is the tip of the iceberg of the cruelty that's been done to children by these, as you call them, divas, these incredible egos that, you know, the, the world doesn't apply to them. But I think Bambada is particularly interesting because he uses both religion and celebrity to just, how much more control can you get over kids? And threats and violence and everything else. Not that they right. said he threatened, but the implied threat is there because these people are, um, you know, surround themselves with criminals also. It is, um, it's challenging. And, you know, we saw the Me Too movement take off and then get kind of taken over by the sexual harassment movement. And so, you know, the celebrities that stood up for the Me Too movement really made it possible for women at work to argue against sexual harassment. Yay, that's great. Uh, Weinstein is definitely a bad guy. There's a lot of bad guys. Um, and so I'm fine with that, except that it left children in the dust. You know, we just haven't been talking about the kids. And so I'm just, that's why I'm so grateful that you're, you're taking it beyond, the whole world knows about the Catholic Church but they really don't know about music. What other figures in the, in the music world are now being accused that you'd be willing to name um, that we should also be thinking about, wow, those victims need justice too? So one case is uh, Patrice Griffin. And Patrice came forward about being 14 year old with another hip hop group called and they their name is X Clan. Patrice, this is all in, in New York, and um she took advantage of and she was actually a big advocate for the Child's Victim Act, the window to yep. be extended. And she uh has filed her claim with them and against the New York studio because a lot of it happened there too. But you're you're not, and we know about Russell Simmons. Uh, Russell's case was not a child sexual abuse case. It was um, a sexual predator rape uh, case, several women. And he's now like in Bali, like see, saying, I'll come to the United States whenever I want to, but they just happened to not have a, an extradition with the United States. So <laughs> that's, that's what so country happened. he just happened to fall into, you know? <laughs> and I got to tell you that the current climate I'm actually kind of hopeful that the film will now, that these, see, before all this um, recognizing subtle, subtle and overt racism, at the end of the day, 
people didn't care about what happened to poor black boys in the projects. And the same is true today. And I do think the film would open up a lot of conversation and education because see, Marcy, where you guys, I don't think, I, I wouldn't pretend to know what's taught in school. Like, I don't know what, what they teach when it comes to sex ed and all the rest mm -hmm. of that. But I gotta tell you, I don't think black, the black community realizes how frequent uh, child sexual abuse happens on, for boys and girls. I don't think they really understand the frequency and the type of individual who would do it. Everybody's not the jump out of the bushes guy. Right. It's very, it's something else. I have a friend who works at, uh, in Rikers Island, and she said the child molesters are the most, the nicest and most mannerable people in the entire jail. I believe that's true. I, you know, I mean, how do you get all these adults to trust you to be with a child unless you seem like a great person? And they have learned over the years to orchestrate the world to get what they want. I mean, it, you know, you look at Jerry Sandusky, you look at um, Jeffrey Epstein, right? They constructed a universe to deliver victims to them. And that's basically what you're talking about with Bombada, but it's also what goes on with, uh, I mean, it's basically what happened with Michael Jackson, sadly. It's, it's that you reach a level of power and you can just manipulate the world and children are utterly defenseless. So, you know, I mean, our message at Child USA increasingly is that this is a civil rights movement for children. These children are people. They're, they're not anybody's property. You can't trade them. You can't traffic in them. But you also can't control them in ways that destroy their lives. And so, I mean, when I first heard about your project, you know, I, it just reconfirmed to me that this is just society-wide. It's not, uh, and we know it is. And, we, and what, what I hope is that we can get some of the biggest sports leaders and don't they have time right now during covid to come forward and say hey everyone it's one in four girls it's one in six boys and it doesn't matter where you are it doesn't matter if you're poor or rich it doesn't matter if you're black or latinx or white or whatever you my friend have a problem and the whole culture has a problem and until we all treat it as our shared disaster I just, I, I just, your documentary deserves tremendous support. And I agree with you about its educational value. And I tell people, especially in my own community, in the black community, that w we have broken individuals. You know, we do have, a, we do have poverty and crime and those kind of things, but a lot, we're, we're not realizing a lot of things because if I didn't know, I know other people didn't know. Like I can tell you, I was totally ignorant to what the heck was really going on. Like it wasn't even in my purview at all. I was not even, it was never a part of my conversations, nothing. So if I was completely ignorant, I know other people are. And yeah. we want to raise whole, as whole individuals as we possibly can. And early abuse, you know, these victims, even the male, male or female, from what I'm understanding, they've grown up to be suicidal, uh, self-destructive, 
you know, addictions, violence, and those kind of things. And for us to, to really, we, because in the midst of this whole uprisings and things going on, we, we are trying to get a hold on a lot of issues in our community too, and self-examination type of issues. Mm -hmm. And this, and still, they still aren't, I still don't have a, uh, they just keep scrolling away around, <laughs> scroll right past it. <laughs> it's well, it, it, you know, if, if you don't, if you want the world to treat you better, right, you don't put out your dirty laundry. And then and, and that's what we've learned about all of this. But, but this is more than that. This, you're right about, it starts with children and they suffer and they, the, the trauma that they suffer then plays itself out in their later lives. And then we have a bigger problem than if we prevented it in the first place. So I want to thank you, Layla, for taking this time, but also for your brave stand for children. It's inspiring. And what you're doing is, is just amazing. Thanks, Marcy. And for all of the support for the film, of course, and I always um, take the knowledge from your, from childusa.org, the you know, I stay on top of the science and the data and everything. And I'm so glad for this group because I've just learned a lot and you, you just want to shake people like, would you listen? Like if we just deal with it, we wouldn't have to keep dealing with it. Like, I know you don't want to hear about it. Somebody doesn't want to live it either. So can we please just deal with this? <laughs> love it. I love it. We're going to end right there. Thank you, Layla. This was amazing. I hope you'll join us for our next episode of A Voice for the Kids, which is Child USA's podcast for the purpose of exploring the hardest questions about child safety and protection and exploring how it is we're going to end child abuse and neglect. Uh, Layla's been working on this project for a number of years, um, but she has now developed a really great podcast, uh, which is called Trapped in a Culture, and it's about the journey to making this amazing documentary. Thanks for joining us today. Just a reminder that if you want the truth, the data, the statistics, the legal analysis about child sex abuse and child protection, visit our website, childusa.org. We are updating it all the time. And what we're doing is putting together the cutting edge social science with the cutting edge legal analysis to end child abuse and neglect. Visit us at childusa.org. I'm Marcy Hamilton. Thanks for joining us today. Mm -hmm.